0: It's strange to imagine the time before mobile phone apps, before inbuilt navs, on-the-go banking, photo editing software, meditation workouts, actual workouts, food delivery, programs to recognize songs, astrology alerts, dating opportunities, and I mean that's just the tip of the iceberg. I guess what I'm trying to say is this. We are currently existing in a technological climate where our phone, as we know it, only functions as a phone a tiny portion of the time. And even then, it is so much more. For the most part, it is our very own pocketable matchmaker, encyclopedia, handheld gadget to alleviate hunger, boredom, frustration, lust. It is our language teacher, music teacher, art teacher, counsellor, GPS system, banker, It fills in the gaps of modern civilization with great gusto, and it is not often that we bat an eyelid as it does, instead embracing the ease of what it means to be a 21st century citizen, and to rely so heavily on a gadget as multifaceted and complex as the one we often take for granted, the one that lives in our pockets. Despite the enthusiastic foray in which Western society has readily embraced apps, It has only been a little over a decade since Apple and Google made them available through their very own app stores. Since then, as many as over 6.3 million apps have lived, died and changed the lives of their consumers. And it's not difficult to make sense of why apps have become the sort of programs we are so ungrudgingly dependent upon They are convenient, easily downloadable, and so able and willing to respond to our every instinct, curiosity, and even addiction. They follow us everywhere, alongside every mood and every spirit of inquiry, even to the places we least expect them to flourish, such as our gardens.
1: What's up guys, Jason up here at Cog Hill Farm, and today I want to tell you about this awesome garden app that I absolutely love. Twin Cities tech expert, Alyssa Dare Nelson, and our good friend, she's back with her top three gardening apps. And I know there are plenty of people watching probably and just out there throughout the Twin Cities that are really itching to get their hands dirty.
0: Yes, itching to get their hands dirty. But and clean going, to touch their
1: phones to go through those apps.
0: Yeah, and going, well, I owe, I kind of have a black thumb, which is sort of my situation. And so I really need some help and some guidance of right? these apps. It feels potentially incorrect to speak about phone usage without first acknowledging its effect on our relationship to detail, to attention and to focus. This may all sound like total jargon, and at the expense of seeming like a disenfranchised parent who despises how little her children play outside, like she did, in the quote-unquote good old days, there is quite a bit of research dedicated to, as Elle Hunt for The Guardian describes, the pings, pop-ups, and glowing red dots that pull us back into our phones and push us from app to app. But let's imagine for a second that it were achievable to honor our relationship to technology in the 21st century with a wholesome need to reintegrate ourselves into the natural world that surrounds us, to use our phones to garden, to press buttons with dirt under our fingernails. Given how plants have become a salient part of contemporary Western culture, could it be that our mobile phone is now the most useful tool of all in the garden? This is All Things Green, a conversation series brought to you by the Plant Society that shines a light on the people, places and politics behind the plants. I'm Madison Griffiths, and every fortnight we will explore our cultural relationship to the plants we know, love and care for. When I started gardening, I had
1: no plans for a mobile app. At that stage in Armidale, in in New South Wales, it's on the New England tableland and it gets quite severe winters. I like to grow um, plants, food to eat, and I just basically thought, well, I just need someone to remind me when to get things in the ground.
0: That's Chris Hutchinson, whose personal project, GardenIt, is an app that intends to make it easier to keep your garden growing and producing. So each month it will list what you can now plant in your climate zone and what to prepare for in the coming months. So if the
1: iPhone was taking off as a a platform for apps, oh, well, maybe we can build something on that. It basically took all the information that's in the website, and, and it's lots of other pieces Is that so you can actually sort of record what you're planting and plan your garden ahead and, you know, keep a history of what's been successful. We've wrapped all that up into an app and um, made it available on the, on the Apple App Store. Okay, so the, the website is basically just a planting calendar, so you can specify what climate zone you're in, and we have climate zones for Australia, um, South Africa, the US, Canada, and the UK, and, and New Zealand. Um, So you you basically sort of pick out your climate zone and then it can present a calendar for you of what, what you can be planting when throughout the year. Yeah, it's got a diary so you can write down what's what's been growing nicely, what hasn't, and take photos and store them This off. The other thing it's got, which I don't think any other gardening app has got, is it shares between different devices.
0: That's one thing I find really interesting about our relationship to apps and phone use now, is our concept of community is really changing. You know, a lot of our communities, we exist in occupy online spaces, as opposed to IRL communities. And there's something really nice about knowing that you're you're re- you're really merging. You're at this really interesting intersection where you're merging those two interests really beautifully.
1: Yes. Yeah, so well, what, what we find is with the GardenNet website, So we've got a comment section on there, and we, we basically kept the whole system free. So we've got something like 60, seventy thousand subscribers now. We're sending out of, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of um, emails a, a month to people to remind them what to plant but then people come back and um, ask questions on the website and post comments and support each other and give answers. So, you know, we've got hundreds of thousands of questions and answers now that people in, in all across the world have been um, involved in, supporting their local you know, gardeners. Everyone's reaching out to each other and, and communicating all the time. Where I find the connections most striking is probably um, where we're supporting communities in places like South Africa, where they're really calling out for resources and information. And they're drawing on technology to do that, so they obviously don't, I mean the people we're hearing from are people who who are finding it hard to get information, so they're they're calling on this platform to try and get the data they want. Mm -hmm. Um, But more generally, I think um, communities, what I find is communities tend to build themselves a chance <laughs> okay. so if you have a, a group of like-minded people and you give them a way of communicating they're going to start communicating and gardening is a you know community of interest everyone i think I suppose, been everyone in gardening involved in gardening is really interested in sharing and apps and websites or whatever that allow that to happen people will start sharing
0: when chris spoke about community And not just what it means to be a member of one, but instead what it means to be a person who is always on the hunt, so to speak, for the opportunity to connect. He reminded us of something that is deeply integral. Human beings love to feel a part of something larger than themselves, be it a movement, a religion, a sense of social stability and shared passion. In the 21st century, where we feel more and more isolated from one another, instead of just looking to our phones for relief of some kind, it seems to make sense to marry our deeply animal want to connect with our ever-changing, constant relationship to technology.
2: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I use Letterboxd a bit for logging the films that I watch for work. I'm the small screens editor at The Big Issue, so sometimes I'll play mobile games until screen time locks me out and I'm capped at about two hours a day and I think even that is an extraordinary amount that's far too much I think.
0: That's Amy Knight you're listening to, a writer and critic from Adelaide who also happens to be the small screens editor at The Big Issue. In a copy of the big issue from 2018, Amy wrote a column about the app PlantSnap, which she affectionately referred to as the botanic answer to Shazam. I think
1: it's important for people to remember that we're all a part of nature. I want people to rediscover the beauty and wonder that's right outside their doors by putting a botanist in their pocket.
0: We spoke to her about her relationship to technology, nature, and the peculiar collision of both. I've
2: got fair amount of houseplants in the house that I love looking at and taking care of. I've got a little garden bed out the front that I've transferred a lot of uh houseplants to. Once they've grown too big for the pots, they go in the front yard and it's so nice to, to anoint them when they level up. The ones in the front yard are at the moment flourishing. You know, I got into succulents and cacti and those kind of uh, cultural capital plants a couple of years ago maybe say three or four years ago Um, before that I had no interest in gardening at all my grandparents had quite a big garden when I was growing up so I spent time like in the veggie patches and stuff when I was little but it's not something that kind of piqued my interest until I was getting into my late 20s and I think that's been similar among a lot of My peers and, I don't know, people that I follow on Instagram and stuff all seem to be getting into it. There's an app that I use called PlantSnap, which is AI-driven and helps you identify certain plants. And I found that really helpful for identifying different succulents in particular because a lot of them look so similar. Other apps I've used haven't been quite as accurate as PlantSnap we won't be able to get rid of smart technology now. At a time like right now, like today, this week, we're experiencing with the COVID quarantines and self-isolation, To some extent if you are off the grid that's slightly irresponsible because people that care about you can't get in contact and also you have no ability to contact other people during a time of crisis when we're all looking at our phones far too much absorbing news that neurologically we're not evolved to process on this abominable scale perhaps something like using plant snap either in your own garden if you have one or even if you don't you can jump on and look at photos that other people have uploaded you can look at rare plants from different places in the world and i find that quite cool so yeah marrying those kind of offline hobbies like gardening and cooking and such with contemporary technologies, like smartphones and apps, seems to be, I don't know, a responsible way of using our phones. If you're compelled to have it in your hands and be touching it, or, like I will always have my phone in my pocket when I'm gardening because I'll be listening to a podcast, seeing if emails come in, or if the door blows shut and I need to make a phone call, I better have my phone in my pocket. Finding Healthy ways for us to meet how we're using our phones. I don't know, I think that's just a responsible way of marrying the URL and the IRL, I guess. People who might have really small living quarters, obviously not the space for a front yard or a backyard or even many plants inside or you know why not and it it can be such an expensive pastime as well people don't necessarily have the financial resources to be laying down like 20 bucks a pop for a snake plant from bunning so if there are other ways for people to be able to make that connection with nature And if it does happen to be digital, then so be it. I don't know, to me, it's similar in a way to people saying that listening to an audio book isn't the same as reading. Reading an e-book isn't the same as reading a hard copy book. Reading or engaging with nature or listening to music or whatever it is in some way, at least it's happening. And if that's what works for them, then why be judgmental about it? It's very cool to think about.
0: Rosie Niven for The Guardian once wrote that social networks are beginning to have a bigger role in building community and catalyzing neighbourhood cooperation and social action. Communities are being mobilised, and what better time to invest in that sort of mobilisation? Mobile being the tongue-in-cheek word here. In a cultural climate where we are feeling isolated, disbarred, and generally disenfranchised, having a kind of notification that isn't a reminder of the state of the world we're in, of the fires, of the global pandemic, of whatever is we are actively trying to avoid in order to remain enthusiastic citizens but is instead some kind of small announcement telling us when to water our philodendron silver swords. That's pretty neat to me. It doesn't matter what sort of connection we're out here making with nature be it digital, be it in person, be it in spirit being able to integrate our love of the natural world into our digital footprint, being able to introduce plants into the large velocity that is our online spaces, we will only see us progress in insightful and considered ways. And in order to do this properly, we must ensure that the online spaces we integrate our love of plants into are accessible, are wide reaching and are the sort of online communities that can foster hope and advancement. Oh. Sorry, my monstera needs a drink. Thank you for listening to the fourth episode of All Things Green, a conversation series brought to you by the Plant Society that shines a light on the people, places and politics behind the plants. I'm Madison Griffiths and every fortnight we will be exploring our cultural relationship to the plants we know, love and care for. I'd like to thank the rest of my wonderful team in-house, interstate, and in print. We're a pretty easygoing bunch, so make sure to say hello. And if you have any suggestions or topics or queries that you'd like us to tackle in All Things Green, drop us a line on our socials. And thanks also to Chris from Gardenate for his app initiative, as well as Amy Knight from The Big Issue for opening up to us about her relationship to her natural surroundings and her phone. Until next time, folks.